0: Ask the Podcast Coach for February 25th, 2017. Let's get ready to podcast. We want to welcome you to uh, this edition, this special edition of Ask the Podcast Coach. We are, uh, we're live and uh, we're here to kind of, although today not enough mechanics to really take your calls or bring you in. We haven't really been doing that very much where we get the opportunity, but certainly if you're in our chat room, we'd love to have you uh, join or get your questions into chat. I'm Jim Collison. Uh, Dave Dave Jackson is out at a PodFest. Um, I think it's actually technically over, but he was staying uh, a little bit longer and uh, great pictures uh, he's posted on Facebook and lots of great stuff going on at PodFest. And if you're there at PodFest, welcome. Uh, glad you made, a, you made it out. I have made the choice to go to Podcast Movement this year. That's going to be the one that I'm going to. So Dave, we miss you. He was going to try and jump in, but the Wi-Fi there wasn't very good. And so we... We said no. Uh, today, I brought on my partner in crime, a guy that always uh, fills in when Dave is out because he does so much great stuff with podcasting, and that's the guy over at JPEG to Mike Howard. Mike, welcome.
1: Yeah, Thanks for having me, Jim. I'm always here listening anyway, or listening and watching anyway, so uh, working yeah, no. on my show generally Saturday mornings, watching y'all. Yeah, I know we
0: always appreciate it. You're back there. One of the reasons we'll talk about this here in a little bit. Uh, one of the reasons I always have you on, you're kind of a, um, a big pioneer. I, I guess I could say it that way, uh, of video and, and, uh, you know, a lot of podcasters, I think either when you jump in, you kind of, th- you go audio only or you go all the way in with video. I might be one of the weird ones where I'm kind of in between. I use it mm-hmm. just to record. We do make the video available, but. Um, I certainly don't emphasize the video capabilities that I have. Mike, you got a whole big rig and a whole big setup. We're going to kind of jump into that a little bit. You're a photography podcast. Let's uh, just real quick, let's just talk about your podcast. Give us kind of an update on what you're doing and how it's going.
1: So our podcast is JPEG to RAW. JPEG to RAW, meaning starting, you know, people just getting in photography. is a JPEG side of it, RAW being the the more professional or advanced amateur. So it's not about how to convert JPEGs into RAW, it's, but it's the journey from beginner to uh, more advanced. And so we do that one once a week generally, uh, the photography show, the JPEG to RAW, where we have guests come on or whatever else. We have another show we do once a month now, which uh, is to review the images that are in our um, – Photo contest. We total a photo contest every month. In our beginners group, we have a beginners Facebook group and a our regular group, and both run their own independent photo contest. So once a month, we do a show that reviews those images and gives critiques on how to make them better.
0: And that one's been doing really good. Yeah, good. And I, we'll dig into a little bit of what you're doing. I think there's some great success in, and uh, of course, photography podcasts are a busy genre and mm-hmm. there's lots of things going on with them. So well, we'll talk about how you're surviving in that. Let's first uh, talk a little bit about w- how we're doing this today. Uh, you're in your studio. That's pretty yeah. easy. Uh, I booked, you know, I did this, two, this thing where I double booked two things and then didn't realize it till like three days before. It's like, oh, crap, I'm not going to be in my studios or the studios at Gallup to be able to pull this off. And I almost canceled. And I thought, no, nah, I think we could probably do this from UNO. So we're here on the campus, University of Nebraska at Omaha, I mean, one of their conference rooms. I'm actually doing this via Wi-Fi, Mike, which we don't oh. really recommend, right? I mean, when you think yeah. about doing it, have you seen any issues with my with my video or, or the audio?
1: Not, no, the audio's been fine. It's not quite as crisp as usual, but you know, that's we talked about that with your um, USB connection there. Uh, the video is 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 fine.
0: Yeah. Hey, one thing I, I wanna I wanna highlight a little bit, and this is just one of these things, Mike. I know a couple years ago you you struggled with a little physical issue. Yep. Uh, which on the back of your head, a little little bit of the C word, a little bit of the cancer word back yep. there.
1: Any update on that? Do you get that checked fairly often? I, that, I have to go to the doctor every six months now, and so far, so good. Now, my hair will never be the same, so <laughs> it just never does right anymore. Not that it was great to begin with, but it's like uh, – the rest of my life is gonna that, suck. In that spot where they where they removed <laughs> yeah, it, it somehow seems to have affected more than just that spot. So definitely that spot. That that spot is like that. And it, it, the hair is long enough where you can't see the spot. But you know, I was very fortunate and uh, all clear. Good.
0: Well, I found out this week. So I went in back for my annual physical back in um oh November or sometime, and the doctor's like, mm, Jim, we probably you know, my PSA Numbers. That's the pre-screen yep. for prostate cancer was was extremely high, and so I just had that uh, I had that very fun procedure this week where they they take some uh, I think they, the term is a biopsy, and uh, so we'll get some results back this week. I'm not too worried about it. That's not one of those things that necessarily, Mike. They had told you in the day like you, you know you'll be yeah. lucky if you make it to your son's graduation. Right. That was. Like two years ago, two or three years ago now, that,
1: that, yeah, maybe three years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's when you're in that unknown stage, which is a little bit where you are now. Uh, when you're in that unknown stage, it, you have some anxiety. You, it's, you want to get past that. You want to know one way or the other. You're hoping it's to to the good. Um, but you know, you want to know, you want to start moving on. Um, Uh, so, yeah. Well, my message is. Don't put this stuff off because I yes. I
0: put my physical off for about three years. You know, it's one of those, I'm busy, I'll get to it. And and men, uh, and, and men, uh, get We're it bad. checked. We're bad get, about it. I know, get it checked. Uh, super, super, super important. That is something. And, and ladies, there's things you guys need to do as well to make sure you're, you know, you're staying healthy and those kinds of things. So just a little PSA, uh, you know, because we care yeah. here at Ask the Podcast Coach. Um, I'll know Tuesday. I'm really not, Mike. To be honest with you, yeah. not too worried about it. It's one of those kinds of things. You, so, you watching you go through your uh, your ordeal, we'll call it. Uh, you were super positive, and I mean, it was uh, it was uh, it was interesting. It was inspiring. I would say to watch you oh, from good. the outside going in. Yeah.
1: One piece of advice uh, between here and Tuesday is don't look anything up on the internet. <laughs> Um, Mike, we want to dig in a little bit uh, from
0: uh, your podcast because I think there's uh, folks who um, are a little more uh, avid about thinking about both audio, video, and social. Let's start with what you're doing on the social side first. You mentioned Facebook. You've got some Facebook groups. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, I think, of all the stuff that you've done social, including, like, Twitter and some of those what do you think you're getting the most traction on and what's been the best for you? What, if you were going to give advice to somebody, what would you what, what advice would you give
1: them? And if I could first say, look, we, we are a hobbyist podcast and I don't mind spending a little money on my hobby. You know, if I was a golfer, I would spend money on that hobby. If I was a fisherman, I'd spend money on that hobby. So I don't mind spending a little bit of money on. Podcasting, which is my hobby I, it's my I like doing it, I like the technical side, I like the talking to people side, I like the photography part of it too. so all of that so so you know your situation may be different, so I'm not trying to say what I'm doing is perfect for everybody. For us, for a lot of our fans, they're on Facebook, so you know I've tried the Twitter I, uh, and I still use it. it just doesn't get as much traction for us. so we have we started off with a Facebook page which is more of the advertising of the show and that type of stuff. It's, I look at the page as an advertisement-type thing to the public. You know, We'll put our Facebook Live post on there. We'll put other posts on there, and we, we work to build that up. The group is more like our community, and we, have, we started off with just the JP Raw Facebook group as a community and have grown that, and we're eight, 1,800 or so people in that group. And then we've had some spinoff groups. We got a boudoir group. Uh, when we did a boudoir show, you remember that show? Super Jim? popular, yeah. by the way. Super. It popular. was super popular. <laughs> uh, we started getting a lot of boudoir posts in our regular group, which is okay. That's fine. But we wanted to make a group safe for those guys where they felt more comfortable. So we have a boudoir group on Facebook. Still not nudes. So and it's not for perverts. Yeah, you know, try right. to keep yeah. that out of there. Right, right. Um and then we have a, a sports group for sports photographers and a beginners group and and the, to be honest the b- boudoir and the boudoir and the sports one have they're pretty slow. They're you know they maybe a post every now and then. It'll go through spurts. Lots of posts and nothing. Our uh beginners group is is slowly growing and getting more and more as uh we get more people who are feel like they're beginners and want to be with beginners. And they're in that group. So we, uh, we keep both of them going. We have uh, photo contests every month in both of those groups. And I do do some promotion of the podcast in those groups. But I bet you there's some people in our big group that have no idea we even do a podcast. So Karma
0: asked a question out in the chat room while Mike's doing that. Where's the best place to host video podcast files for iTunes? And uh, uh, hang tight. We'll talk about that here in just a second as we, um, I'm going to get to, I'm going to ask Mike that question and then I've got an answer to it as well. So everything good on your side, Mike?
1: Yeah. Um, so here's what I do. And, and I know this is advice that uh, you hear Dave and a lot of other people say not to do. But I do, I do two things. And I've been, we're, this June will be six years. So just to give you an idea. Uh, I host all my video files on my website, which is, I uh, use DreamHost. And I have both a, uh, VPS, a virtual private server, and I have the shared hosting, and I split it between the two. We do put out three video files: one just for YouTube, a video large and a video small, and then of course an audio. Uh, so the video large, the video small, and the audio are all also available on iTunes. The YouTube size one is only on on, on uh, YouTube. And six, almost six years in, I've not had a single complaint. Uh, you know, no issues with that. I think if you got really, but you're paying for VPS, which has
0: implied bandwidth, right? When we do shared hosting, uh, there's, they give you the free, you know, there's some free amount and whatever, but it's, it's not, there's some caps. They put some caps on it that say, Hey, you know, we're expecting your usage to be about this. When you jumped up to the VPS level and can you give us some idea
1: about what you pay for that VPS service? I think the, the VPS one that we're doing is 30 a month.
0: Okay. So not too unreasonable from that standpoint. Yeah. When you think about you would spend if you were gonna host at Lipsyn, you'd spend between fifteen and thirty probably anyway to get your video? your video files so you for no for well, no, that's just for audio, right? Yeah. yeah, you're gonna go you're gonna go up a little bit. And that's kind of the with both Blueberry and Lipsyn, and of course Spreaker doesn't offer this. If you're gonna offer a video RSS feed, which is basically what you've done, right? You've created yeah. a container, by the way, a power press. Handles these these video containers very very well through an RSS feed, um, and then you're just putting that you're FTPing that up to your site. I imagine yep. right once you once right. you create the videos, your largest is on YouTube. So that might be a, for for most for an hour long video on YouTube, it's probably about a gig, two and a half uh, gig. Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, that's that. Well, yeah. So you're pushing some some nice resolution <laughs> up there uh, from that standpoint. I think. We So we do the same thing at Home Gadget Geeks, right? We we render, I render a version for YouTube, which is, is in the best possible resolution I can get. a uh, Video large, which is somewhere between 600 and 900 megs. And then a video small, which is somewhere between 200 and 400 megs. And I push those. I actually use a service called Mediafire. If you were to, it's uh, $10 a month. Uh, if you wanted to host it there, they give you a terabyte of storage. Plus, I think... Uh, You get a certain amount of bandwidth, which I've never used. And I get, I don't know, Mike, I get probably between 50 and 100 for my video large and video small, which always surprises me that I get that many people that are interested in downloading that to their phone or what have you. What kind of numbers are you seeing? Do you track all that? What kind of numbers are you seeing for your video?
1: I track it loosely for the video large and video small combined. We're getting over 500. So that's pretty good. Yeah, not including YouTube. Now, in my video large and video small file sizes are about what you mentioned too. About, you know, depending on the length of the show, 600 to, you know, 900 gig, meg for the um, large and two to 400 for the small. I will, I, you know, so I, up until recently, I've done it all through the shared hosting. Uh, all that bandwidth has gone through the shared hosting. DreamHost says that it's unlimited. Now, unlimited still has limits. So, um, well, you, right. ran the go- you ran the gauntlet and took the risk, right? And one of the things I've been looking at is I do have our audio also on Podbean. I've been t- testing Podbean for last year or so, so the audio is also there. I don't use it for the RS- RSS. I use, you know, um, uh, with a PowerPress on my website to do that. But the beauty of PowerPress is I can have the file at a different location for every show. The physical location of the file is independent of each show. So I could have the video large on my shared hosting for this show, and the next show I can have it on my VPS, and next show I can have it on Podbean if I wanted to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and you could actually move that around from a bandwidth yeah. standpoint perspective. Yep. If you had caps, you could move it around. Now, that gets to be a little bit of a maintenance nightmare. You've got to keep track of where stuff yes. is at and what your usage is. But it could be done.
1: So, I, you know, if I ever, my fallback, if I ever did ran into a problem, and I've talked to DreamHost before about, is it okay for me to host these things there? And I've, they've always said yes. The, if the day comes where they change their mind or, you know, they didn't really mean yes, um, then my fallback right now would be to go to uh, Podbean. Uh, that it does cost, I think it's like 350 a year if you no, want to ho- go there. No. Podbean Full will host, host your video? It will. You can have video there, but it's a, st- a good step up from the audio.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I'd like if you got in that situation. I mean, I have been a really big fan. We don't talk about him very much, but MediaFire has been a really yeah. good company for these kinds of things. So we don't they don't get much buzz in the in the uh, podcasting uh, area uh, very much, but they've got some great you know, they have some great plans and they're kind of built and set up for that. They're not the fastest download site in the world, but they do, they do pretty well. And like I said, you can get a pretty good plan for about 10 bucks a month. It's a great way to do video. That's Mike. I was doing traditional, um, you know, my cert, my audio is hosted and the website's hosted by Maple Grove partners. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't want to saddle Christian when we first started with uh, with video, mm-hmm. although he he offered to host it. He's like, I'll do it, and I was like, well, I want to. I've got this relationship with MediaFire, and I want to give them some. I want to try them out and see how it works and stuff. And so we've moved. You know, we we put the video over there, but I could do it if I wanted to do it on Maple Grove Partners. I could do it that way as well. Do you find, Mike, from a video RSS standpoint, when we think about serving a full? 500 meg file to your customer, and again, I'm I'm always surprised that people will download that big of a file. Do you get any feedback from your audience on that? And, and certainly, did they ask my my audience asked for it? They kept I kept getting emails. Hey, wh- where's your video RSS feed? Right, and I, and and so um, did did they ask for it? Did you get any feedback?
1: We we went video show number three, so the we've been live for every show. Uh, since, you know, almost six years ago. The first three, we were audio only because we didn't know how to do video. And then by show number, show number three, or was it show number four? One of those two. We went to video and we've been video ever since. So, you know, we've never had a case where the audience wasn't able to get video. And then we added YouTube somewhere around show number 10 to add that side. Uh, for us, you know, we are a photography podcast, so it may be a little different from some other shows. Uh, we, if you take YouTube and Vimeo out of the mix... Uh, in Vimeo, we don't get good, a lot of views there just it's very small, but if you take them two out of the mix, we're a, a li- still a little bit more video feed than we are audio feed, which is, it's just odd.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it is interesting when you start watching the numbers and yeah. you know, you kind of start thinking what I, I just assumed we're a talking head podcast, just like this, like who, who really wants to watch this, but Um, I'm always surprised. Well, one live people want to watch this. They don't like, although, you know, we offer live speaker streaming as well, which is really a great way. Spreaker Mixler uh, probably do that better than anybody. And I get every week, five to 10 people who will use audio only to just listen. And some of them are turning it on at work, right? And they're listening to it as they're, as they're doing stuff they want to catch. They don't, they don't interact with it very much. Uh, But Folks are watching this. I, I, it just surprises me. Like, why would you, you know, anyways, but they do. And now in your case, you, oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes you just want to see the face and you see what you feel like you're more part of the action yeah, when yeah. you can see what the, the hosts and guests are doing. Yeah, no, for sure. Mike, you, you amp up your video production
0: quality a little bit because your photography podcast You get a great opportunity to show photos and you move things around. So you're a vMix guy. Can you talk a little bit about your vMix setup there in the studio?
1: Yeah, and, and I would say that we started off with uh, XSplit, which I loved XSplit. Uh, still a great product today. It's much cheaper than a vMix or a Wirecast. I don't know what the prices are now, but it's a, it's a good option. OBS is another good option. Both of them are limited. They're you know, um, much more limited than Wirecast and, and vMix. And I went Wirecast for a while, too. A uh, decent product, but then we went to vMix. If you're a Mac person, then VMix is not going to work for you because it's only PC. So you may be limited to just using Wirecast. But yeah, we use VMix. We've been using it for a little over uh, two years now. Company is super responsive. I mean, when they they come out with new stuff all the time, and their their the competition must be. You know, just yeah, I don't know what the, how to describe, but the competition must just be overwhelmed with with what they're facing with VMix and how um, fast they're iterating over there. So for me, I have uh, you can see a little bit of behind the scenes here. Maybe I can show. Maybe, let's see if but, I can. But see. Mike, VMix not free, right? I mean, V-Mix, well, as far as I know, XSplit, Wirecast, VMix not free, right? yeah
0: OBS OBS free yes that's an open source so in and so in the space that you're using vmix right now what's your how how much are you paying
1: okay let's go back to I'm willing to spend a little money on my (laughs) (laughs) no I think it's good Good because your video
0: I mean I would encourage people if you're thinking about doing video like there's this like Dave and I are going to produce this and there's this kind of quality. And then there's what Mike does, which is a little bit closer to uh, pro if you go to com and watch one of his videos. But, Mike, how much do you spend on vMix?
1: All right. So, I have for the main production, I have, um, they have six levels. I have the vMix HD, which allows you to have like almost unlimited inputs. Um it's uh, up to ten eighty p. I only I record in ten eighty p but only stream in seven twenty p and that is three fifty. That's the not next, too bad. That's yeah, not bad. The, a year cheaper or than Wirecast. A no, one year time. year one time. Okay. One time. And then you have so long for free upgrades, I think it's maybe a year. And then after that, upgrades um, only cost sixty dollars, regardless of which level you have of an upgrade is sixty dollars. That is actually cheaper than Wirecast. Now they do have two more levels higher than that. One is the uh, 4K level, which is 700, I think it is, and then the Pro, which is 1,200. Those add in, like, instant replay. If you're doing – I know people who are doing sports events for high schools and colleges and stuff like that, and they have an instant replay feature, which is awesome. But I don't have a need for that. But you need those higher levels to do those instant replays. There are lower levels. There's a free level, and then there's – I have – so I have the one copy of the VMix HD, and then I have – Three copies, yeah, is like crack. I have three <laughs> copies of Basic HD, which that has limited number of inputs. I think that's the main feature. It has limited number of inputs, four inputs, and those are sixty dollars. Okay. So uh, from a price standpoint, I mean, not
0: not unreasonable. I mean, I, I there were some days when we, we think about Ustream and it was $300 a month, a month. Yeah. Uh, for some of their plans. And so we think about one-time $60 upgrades, not bad. But for you, when I've watched your video production, it gives you the opportunity to do some, like have the main screen with the picture and then a picture in picture of the host and the guest Yeah, um, uh, that really allows you guys to continue to talk and and then still really talk about the the picture itself. That's really kind of key. I think maybe for a show like this, a little bit of an overkill, right? I mean, it
1: It is. There is some technical side to it that you got to work up to. There's a learning curve with vMix. There's still things I'm learning. And then when you do like I do, I've got for the show, when the show turns on, I actually have them all turned on right now. I have four computers running. Normal day-to-day, I have two. Right now, they're not all being used for for anything specific. But what generally happens is I have vMix running on all four machines. So the, the higher version running on my main one, and then that HD version running on the other two, other three. And what... What, you use a product called NDI. It's built into vMix. It's for very, very low latency across a, a local network, like maybe a frame or two difference. So you can send, I can send video, like the guest I would have over here to have Jim, if you were my guest over here. On the monitor to the left. On, a, on the monitor, and I'd be talking to you. And vMix on that machine would be sending that video over to my main production machine with, you know, such a low latency you can't even visit, you know, notice it. And then all that's going to my, part my output machine up here, which is running vMix, which is getting the output and sending that out to, um, to wherever we're broadcasting to. And We now broadcast to YouTube and Facebook at the same time. So that machine is doing that, and it is recording the video. And
0: you're doing a full – when you go to Facebook via Facebook Live, you're doing the full show that way.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, I don't have the upload bandwidth – To I only have five meg up, so I don't have the upload bandwidth to go to both places. So what we do is use a a service called, I think it's called Switchboard now. It was Joycaster. You send them one feed, uh, the maximum size feed you would want. So we send a 720p feed to them, and then they send it to whatever places we wanted to go to. So we would, in this case, we'd want to go to YouTube and to uh, Facebook. So you're
0: outsourcing the, 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 the various spots that you wanted to go to. What, how much is that service?
1: I think it's twelve fifty a month.
0: Oh, that's, that's pretty reasonable.
1: Now, if I only wanted to do YouTube or only wanted to do Facebook, I would just use vMix and go directly there. If I had the bandwidth, I probably would circumvent that too and just go straight there.
0: What do you think you need? So I have 12 or 15 up. Would that be enough to be able to do oh, both YouTube yeah, and for, Facebook? For
1: 720p, that's plenty. That's okay. plenty. Okay. Um, the other thing you have, like for us, you, uh, I, we use Skype generally for the video, to collect the video from my local co-host who's in New York, I'm down in Atlanta, and then our guest who can be anywhere in the world. And uh, when you add the third person to a Skype call, the quality drops back to, to standard definition and 4 by 3 whatever format it is, until the recent update.
0: Mm.
1: The recent update they just did keeps it in HD format, and what that was doing was breaking our upload speed, because we, you know, when you have a one-to-one call on Skype, you will use up, you know, five meg of your upload. As soon as you add that third person in, it used to drop down to below a meg, and I was fine. And you, now, were, you were counting on that to happen. I was right? counting on that to happen. Yes, now it doesn't happen, and you end up with a um, with too much bandwidth, so I have to shut off some of my video I'm sending to them. Yeah. Now you didn't. You just didn't do this in a day, right? I mean, it's a, a, a evolution or a rev, uh, yeah, it's yeah. slowly gotten, you know, I've added monitors over time um, and, you, and you, you know, done that. And one of the things that it helps me with this many monitors, because you thought, why do you need that many monitors? Um, yeah. Now that we're streaming to two different places. So we have Facebook live and we have YouTube live, but we also have a live embed on our, on our page. So we end up with three chats, YouTube, Facebook, and Face uh, in our page. You could just say, "Look, we're only a monitoring chat over in one location." And what well, what I try and do is, is, as long as it's not too active, I've got all three of them. I can see all three of them at one time. Yeah. It does split up the chat, and and I hate, I don't like that. I wish there was a unified chat. Well, w- wouldn't
0: it be great if
1: somebody created, I mean, I think
0: Chatwing would be right to create this yeah. to, uh, you know, grab those, you know, you'd think maybe these chats have an open API that they could grab and feed the chat into yours and then push the message back out. That would yeah. be, because so, you're right. I, now I have, I get people who send me messages on Google, or on YouTube. They send it to me in Spreaker. Mm-hmm. They send it to me on chat wing. Um, i mean it 's the the stuff is all over the place, and it does it does make it a little hard to manage. Randy wanted to know Mike so how many pcs do you have running those and i 'll ask you from a hardware perspective what 's the quality of those? what kind of processor and memory do you put in each one of those and maybe the GPU
1: matters too okay um, when the show is live, and like right now i have all I have four of them running as soon as the show 's over and I transfer the uh, one of them records the show, so I actually double record the video and audio, so two machines are recording both of those. As soon as it shows over and I transfer the files over to my server, um, I shut down two of them. The other two run 24-7. So four, and I have one mouse, one keyboard that controls all, including the monitor behind me, all nine monitors, all four computers. And use you're a mouse using mouse without borders. Mouse without borders. Yeah, that's a Microsoft Garage uh,
0: piece of software that they they built and free. They maintain, although there hasn't been up to an update to it in three or four years at this point. And, but it, on absolutely. Windows, allows you to take multiple PCs, set up multiple screens, and use one keyboard and mouse. Now, sometimes depending on your monitor configuration, that can be a little tricky because it's. Yeah. You know, it 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 um at work I have three monitors across the bottom and then two on top and it doesn't see the three on the bottom uh as three, it sees them as two, which means I gotta get in a certain spot to be able to go over and go yep. up. You know, and so it's not it's not flawless, but it is better than having four keyboards and four mice on your desk.
1: Yeah, it it definitely is not flawless. And you every once in a while run into a problem where it it gets locked somewhere, but it's rare for me. And the monitor monitor right above my head. Yes, that's the case. I've got to go to the one over then back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you do have some issues like that. But for most part, it works great. As far as the computers, my main machine which I am in the process of upgrading this weekend, but not because of vMix. It's because I got a drone that's producing video that I need faster um, CPU for. But my main machine right now is a 30, uh, Intel i7-3770K.
0: Really oh. common CPU, right? A couple of years ago, top of the line, really good CPU.
1: Right. Uh, I, that one is overclocked a, a little bit. The one I'm talking to you on is an an AMD machine. Uh, I think it's an eight core AMD, so it's it's even older than the 3770K. And then the other two are quad core AMDs that are older. They don't do a whole lot of, of you know work. Um, one of them is basically just for me doing uh, web page grabs and stuff through VMix. So if I want to we want to look at a web page or something like that, I can pull that up really easy over there. The other one does stream and record, but it has a it has an okay video cards an nvidia i don't remember exactly what it is but it doesn't need a whole lot of horsepower my main one has a i think it's an nvidia 960 or 980 or whatever that is that 60 70
0: 80 series of nvidias if you want if you want juice from a couple of years ago yeah. that's what you bought yeah
1: it yeah up until the the 1000 series it was pretty close to the top of the line mm-hmm. for nvidia it uh vmix does make a lot of use of the uh, graphics card so you can uh, you have that help you quite a bit if you have a decent graphics card. You still need some CPU to push that out. But by me having the one machine do most of the production and then having another machine doing the, the streaming and recording – uh, I've really spread the load. So I'm running, when I'm at full boat, my main machine may be running 30, 40% CPU, and then the the streaming and recording machine running 20 to 30% CPU.
0: Yeah. And, and a lot of people would say, well, then you're wasting CPU cycles. Well, you really want some overhead. Uh, video can cause spikes uh, in, in your CPU usage, and you want to have that overhead available to you. If you're running a Pretty, uh, pretty modern CPU, maybe in the last couple of years, and you plug in a, a C920 into it, and you're running Windows, it will absolutely try to consume every CPU cycle that you have. I don't, a lot of people don't know that, and, um, but it is a resource hog in Windows. It's not very good. Mac, it's different. But in Windows, it's not very good. So you want to make sure that you are kind of breaking those out. Mike, one of the other things I always recommend with video is more PCs are better. Uh, Because if you can divide the amount of labor again, because sometimes these things get intense. If I was uh, broadcasting or say I was uh, like I'm doing today, like I'm hosting my video. Now I'm using an integrated, this is the integrated webcam that's on my laptop. It's a, you know, it's average, right? It's not a C920 for sure. Um, But I'm hosting it and broadcasting it and everything else is running. Well, it's working so far. Core i5 works fine so far, but... If I began to task it, we would see some problems maybe show up with the video quality or the audio quality. And so I too, even at work, both at work and at home, I have a three PC setup. So I have a PC, a really beefy one that runs the video for me and anything I need to do on my desktop. And then I have two Core i5s that run the video out, streaming out. So I have a, I set up a PC just to broadcast the audio. And then that gives me some ability to take a old school, audio cable, come out of the speaker, go into the microphone on the other PC, and then I can broadcast that to Spreaker or Mixer or both at the same time. At um, work, we use Skype for business, and so I actually set up a dial-in number. People can call an 800 number, put in a conference code, and listen to our podcast that way. It gives me some options. So I, I, I notice a lot of podcasters try to cheap out on the PC. Like they get, you know, they'll buy a $400 microphone, And they're running a core two duo, which if you know hardware, you know, that's a really bad, you know, Um, or they'll, they'll run it off a netbook, and you're like, uh, don't, don't cheap on the PC. That's probably, I mean, what do you think the PC is one of the most important kind of anchors for what you're doing?
1: Yeah, and I think what I have found is once you get much over seventy percent CPU, you're gonna you're gonna start introducing some latency, some uh, sync issues, some sync some issues between the audio and video sync. Uh, and the higher you go, the worse it's gonna get. I had one show where we tried to do Lightroom on my main machine to demo something, and as soon as you open up Lightroom. it it, we spiked to 100 percent CPU. And then when I was doing the editing later, it's like, oh, the, the, the sync was off all over the place and it just kept happening. So it wasn't like a one fix. I fixed this one segment and I'm good for the rest of the show. It was all over the place. Fortunately, because a lot of it was us demoing Lightroom, you didn't see us, our faces. So I was able to correct a lot of that stuff while you didn't see it. But it was a lot of work. So now if I need to demo it, I do it on a different machine and bring that over. Yeah. Really, when vMix, and, and Wirecast has this now too, when they introduced NDI, which is that ability to transmit video with super low latency across a local network, it really means that any of my machines that are running in vMix with NDI connection are almost the same as if I was running it on my main machine, except for now spread the processing load over to those guys. Yeah, Michael Ray in chat says what's
0: minimum processor and minimum RAM? Uh and there's there are a ton of factors when we think about what you're doing. You know, Mike, in the scenario you just mentioned, you know, some podcasters will be podcasting and then they bring up maybe they want to demo something. And so they bring up an application like Lightroom. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're gonna do that, Lightroom can be a little intense on your right. I mean it's it's processor intensive. And so I I always say for me, now this is, this is, this is, these are my recommendations for your main rig, the thing that you are using the most often. One, I would not use a laptop. Two, if I, if you're in a if you don't have to, if you're in a studio, I would just go ahead and go with the Core i7, the top of the line Intel chip that you can get. You don't have to get the most expensive one. Mike, you're looking at a new chip right now. What are you, what are you looking at? And what's, oh, how much was it?
1: So it was the um, Core i7-6850, which is a six-core, uh, 12 hyper cores from Intel, and I think it was 550 bucks. Yeah, so it's, not, that's very top of the line at this point, right? You're on the cutting edge. Yeah, how, much,
0: is, how much RAM are you going to throw at that?
1: So, so remember, I'm not doing this just for, for, for a podcast. What I have now is fine for that, but there's other things I do where I need the more power, where I'm editing 4K video and that kind of stuff. Um, what, was you, what
0: was oh what putting? what's what kind of RAM are you throwing at that? How much RAM I'm are you putting in that? Put sixty four gig in
1: this one.
0: Okay, and that's so that is that's the far end, right? Yes. For most people, if for the most, I think for the average podcaster, if you are um, you know just hosting video, doing some hangouts, something on Fire Talk, whatever, C nine twenty, a higher end Core i five with eight gig of RAM. That's probably where you want to be. Yeah, if you, the Core i3 with four gig of RAM, which is kind of where the sweet spot is in the market, those PCs are running four or 500 bucks right now. That's probably not enough for most people. Now, your, your mileage might vary, um, from that standpoint, but, in that Intel line of a Core i3 being the bottom, and there's some netbook mobile um, chips that are a little bit lower, that Core i3 being the bottom, the Core i5 kind of being the mid-range, and the Core i7s being in that upper range. Um, If you're going to throw a lot of video at it, a recommendation is get the best Core i7 you can get, no less than 16 gig of RAM, and then a pretty good uh, GPU in there, and yeah. uh, your GPUs can be just as expensive as as the processors if you get some of the the top of the line ones. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you can
1: you can go anywhere in there. We, you know, so first off, I'm not a VMix affiliate or anything like that. I get nothing from VMix sales. But the 64 gig that I'm using definitely does not need it for vMix. I mean, you can get away easily with 16. It's going to depend on how many other things you open up. I generally like to be, before I do a show, I reboot the machine several hours or maybe that morning before the show because of the startup crap that's happening. And I don't know if it's indexing or whatever it is, but I want it to settle down. And then I close out some of the stuff that I think might cause problems during the show, like crash plan Dropbox. I might close those out so I don't have those issues. Syncing issues, especially with those cloud-based storage. Exactly. Where they start, where they start syncing. And of course, that's taking your bandwidth. So I think a 16 gig would be more than enough. I would personally, if you're building a machine, I don't like to go lower than 16 just because there's going to be other things you're doing. I don't even think VMix will use or Wirecast will use all 16 meg to, to do gig to, to do that. Um, processor. Yeah. Like I said, I would, like you said, I would go with an i7. The more, uh, shots you add, like if you add one webcam, it's going to add something to the CPU, even when you're not doing anything. Every shot you add adds more. You don't need to, for VMIX for and, and Wirecast, you're not going to need the top of the line best video card, something like mine, which is a generation old, uh, the 960s, the uh, 990s, whatever, or that generation of, of cards. Those are going to be good enough for, for that because not everything is done by the, the GPU in these programs randy had
0: said yeah but that processor is going to get you a couple years as well and yeah those uh both you and i have the 3770k as well on and we know these numbers cuz we've built our own boxes and you don't have to do that you can go buy them um if you want to be uh, i like to kind of pick my components so i pick the board and the chip and the ram and i know we're a little dave never lets me get this technical by the way which is pretty <laughs> awesome that's why we're doing it today cuz he's not here uh so maybe a little more technical show than in the past but that 3770 that i have mike i'm going to say you think that's two or three years old now at this point at Did least yeah. yeah i think so I, I may be 3 or 4 years into that uh so my my main pc box at home that 3770k i don't i don't have it overclocked i leave it just as it is i have 16 gig of RAM on that box That's going to get me, I'm planning on that um, box getting me another three years. Oh, it's a great machine, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, and I'll, I'll move it down, right? It'll, it'll, it'll be the main one for a while. And when I sense it's beginning to have problems, although I don't think it's like it used to be where every two years you had to, you know, do something different because the technology changed so much. I think we're kind of in a spot right now with technology, especially Intel, where those chips are going to be the same. In fact, the big movement on chips is to get smaller, cooler, and and mm. and less powerful. So there's been a big movement onto ARM, right? That's kind of the mobile chipset that um, is available. And so we're seeing less of the high end, like we do, and more of kind of that mobile, you know, being able to power get those chips faster. Uh, cheaper along those lines. Uh, I just pulled up my, my my task manager. So if you're on Windows, go down to the bottom, go down to the toolbar, right-click, choose task manager, and then go to your performance tab. So I'm on a Core i5. My laptop is a Core i5 with 8 gig of RAM. So a pretty good, I think, pretty good laptop. It's got a standard uh, GPU in it, right? GPU stands for graphical processing unit, right, from that standpoint. And, Mike, I'm running, uh, the CPU run is pretty consistent at about 75%. Right. Yeah. And so I'm running about about five or let's say five and a half gig of RAM on an eight gig box. Now all I'm doing is running a Hangout. Yeah. Like that's it. Well, I have Chatwing open and a few web page, you know a, a website and stuff in Outlook and a few other things. Right. That's running. But I am. I mean, now the disk usage is light. Like at this point, I'm using anywhere between zero to five percent, six. I just went up to ten. But let's say so 1% to 5% uh, um, you know, disk usage. So there's not a lot. This has an SSD in it, so it goes pretty fast. That's the other thing, right? You put your OS on an SSD drive Absolutely, yes. every, every time, right? Every time,
1: yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing to think about in your, I don't know about yours, but a lot of uh, laptops, they use a mobile version of the processors. You may have a, an i7 or an i5 or whatever it is, but it's a mobile version. It is not as powerful as the normal desktop version. So you may think I have an i5 or i7, whatever, but it's maybe it doesn't have as many cores, maybe it doesn't have as much uh, gigahertz, whatever. For me, and also talking about the fact I have four computers here. I build all my own. So what happens when I build one is the one I had is downgraded in usage. So over the years I've got all these spare parts that, you know, are not being used or not good enough for a daily use computer. But, you know, I've built them and put an SSD in them like you said for their for their OS drive and those and the two extras I have, that's all they have is that SSD. They boot up real fast. Yeah, they're doing stuff behind you. I, I would. What my advice would be is, if you want to get into something like this, uh VMix does offer a sixty-day free trial. I, I'm, you know, OBS is free all the time. I'm sure XSplit has something in Wirecast too. Uh, start on one PC, and when you want to go to add another PC, is I know with with VMix, there's a free desktop capture program you can load. Load it on that second machine, and you can capture your desktop on another machine, and it's a, a way to grow from an easy installation on up. Um, I watch a guy who does a show, a weekly show called Streaming Idiots, uh, Thompson Claire, Streaming Idiots, and he was he was for a long time one man one PC uh, type show where he did you know was trying to do everything on one PC. As Vmix added NDI, I think he couldn't resist anymore and he added more more stuff. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, a good- he does a good show. It's, yeah.
0: once you once you get going uh i mean i hear, I hear my fan running on this laptop right and so sure. it's it's struggling i mean it's doing everything it can to keep up quazy asked a question in the chat and mike let me start you know you're an advanced version of what i do so when we think about uh when we think about a setup for youtube which is what i like I, what we're doing right now if i were home uh what i would do so in the three pcs i have one pc called a broadcast server and its job is to and I have an account on YouTube just for my live shows. So I have a live channel and then I have a recorded channel. And the live channel I don't promote. It's just a record. It's just a it's just an account that allows me to record. And so I would create a, a YouTube live instance on the broadcast server and I would start it and then I would grab that invite code and I would I would copy and paste it into my PC that I'm recording me off of and I would send Mike I would send it to Mike and he would connect. And so we'd have three PC or two, we'd have two people coming in on three PCs at that point. And the broadcast server, its only job is to host that video. When I click broadcast here on YouTube, its only job is to broadcast out to YouTube to send that file. The the, the advantage of that, Mike, is it unifies both our video and our audio yeah. together. And that's where I get that audio, that that unified. If you ever tried to do that on a single PC, it can be difficult to get your, you and me together. Like right now I'm on a single laptop. One, one instance is what we have. If I wanted to, there's really no good place for me. Actually, that's not true. This, this little bit right here on the microphone is, is unified audio, but there isn't a great uh, other way for the most part to come out and go one place to get a unified audio channel to record the two of us together. Now, it is recording that video, and I can take this video. This is what I do. I download the video, put it into Audacity, and strip out the audio off of it. Or it's actually technically I'm stripping off the video, and it's only leaving the, uh, the audio available for me and recording it that way. But, Quasi, that's how then I get this unified broadcast server. Mike, I imagine you're doing something similar, right? You have a separate PC that's doing the heavy lifting for vMix.
1: And and that's a great question because I did have a problem with that at first. So, you know, looking at my system where I've got on one PC the production vMix going on and then on another PC where I'm talking to you now on Hangouts, but I may do that with Skype on a regular show, bringing that audio into my mixer and then into the PC and then the video through like a desktop capture into vMix. That did at first create a sync issue where the the video was slightly behind the audio. That that desktop capture was losing a half a second or something like that through that. So what I did to combat that um, was I added a video capture card in both machines and ran an HDMI cable from both machines, and that created um, that was created reduced the the latency there. It really made it where I didn't even notice the latency, and now my audio video was in sync. The the recent, you know, adding adding of uh, NDI to VMix, solved that problem too. So you can go that route. You wouldn't need the capture cards. You could just use NDI and bring it over. And the latency is, you know, three to four frames, depending on your network. It's not going to be that many frames. So three or four frames. It's not going to be noticeable. And if you re- if it did was noticeable, there's ways you can tweak it in VMix to add a slight delay or, or reduce a slight delay if you wanted to. But you have to be, you have to watch that. Now, I do also, I don't know if you can see it, but I have a digital recorder that records the audio only straight off our mixer. It's the best quality audio that I can capture in my situation. That, for whatever reason, does get slightly out of sync when I bring it into Premiere to do the video editing. And so what I have to do is is work my way through it, and every 10 minutes or so, it'll be off a frame or two. So, I will go out there and you can you can what I do is line up with the video the audio that was recorded with the video, and then i I slice it and move it a couple, a frame or two and I'll do that through, through the show it, as i 've gotten to where it's, I can do it pretty fast it 's not that big of an issue uh, for me
0: yeah Randy says it 's amazing how much complicated live streaming makes things uh, as opposed to just audio or video recording yes. yeah it, it, when and not just the live streaming but um, for me, a little bit of the complexity of I, I try to I try to add extra things on my end to make it less complicated later or to make it less complicated for my guest or you know one of the, one of the things I've noticed though and I, I don't like this I was going back and listening to an interview I had done a, a while back and on because I allow Google or because I allow YouTube to do the audio ducking for me, you know, in other words, when we talk over each other, it has to decide who who's going to who's going to win. And and it cut me out, you know, cut me out quite a bit. I'm like, hey, like I'm the I'm the host. I should get priority anyways. um, So not as good if you're when you have that audio ducking going on or that combination of the two. Google Hangouts do some things, Hangouts on Air, they do some things to optimize it for large groups of people in a video conferencing type, type of situation. Not necessarily optimized for the very best audio. A lot of audio files don't like that, and so they're not, uh, they're not happy. I don't, I, do, I don't get much feedback from my listeners on that, by
1: the way. I do record me on the left channel and my guest and, and, co- and uh, co-host on the right channel for audio. Uh, I then then combine them for one mono stream to the live feed, so, so the live people don't know that. But it allows me then to have me and the co- co-host and guest on separate channels in case I need to do different editing for the audio for each one of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it adds complexity on the audio editing on the back end, though. Yeah. I mean, it gives you great opportunities, but then you got to go back through and mix that in and Premiere and some of those the other things. The
1: weird thing is I've been struggling lately more with my audio. I seem to get too many highs, and then when I try and fix it, I get too much clipping. So I'm battling with my own audio where my guests and co-hosts actually have been better and easy to deal with than mine. Well, it's anytime you add – a compressor
0: or I hear this on Dave's audio from time to time because he compresses and gates. And if you don't get that just right, I mean it can be your friend, but it can be your enemy if you're not, if you're not careful. It says in the chat, thanks for explaining. Uh, I'm a Mac guy and hearing the cost of top of the line windows. We'll consider that as a second PC. Actually not a bad idea if you're a Mac guy to use cheaper windows boxes as your second and third options, because just from a cost perspective and, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a territory, you know, I'm Mac, I'm a PC. It doesn't have to be that right. You're just using them. And so from a cost perspective, that can be a little cheaper.
1: So Randy asked how long do I spend on a uh, editing a show? So I basically what I do is I bring it into Edition. I use Adobe Edition. I split them mon- I split the channel into left and right uh, the audio into left and right. And then I go through and I do a noise, um, you know, reduction on both channels to get that done. And then I go through and I look for, I make a quick pass, just looking at the, not listening, but just looking at where I think I see pops or I see typing or something like that. I might listen to that little segment and then slide, silence that out. But I go through that fairly fast. And then I basically have a saved, um, where they call them favorites or something like that, in addition. And I run that against mine, run that against theirs, then do the, the mix down, and then put output that. That might take me 20 minutes to do that whole thing. Then I bring that audio and the video into Premiere. And in Premiere, I have a canned intro and a canned exit that's, that's already there. Bring that in, line up the audio, do that little audio clip thing that I said, and then uh, have it output the, the three videos and one audio straight from Premiere. So not counting the computer's work, because it will take the computer a while to run through all that. I mean, hours. Which is a good time to write your show notes, by the yes. way. So, you know, it'll run. It'll take, you know, an hour, hour and a half for each one of those. So it's, it's hours of work for, it's doing. My work on the video side actually is faster than the work. Or about the same, I guess. Maybe another 20, 30 minutes on the, on the video. For the edit that. Yeah. And I find
0: it's about a one-to-one. So uh, it's ta- for the video and the rendering, it takes me yeah. about an hour. If I, it's an hour-long show to pull it down, put it together, render it. Now, I don't do any edits to it. So to put that together, render it and such, about another hour. And then, of course, there's some upload time. And, and my yeah. preference is to uh, start the uploads on a Friday night. So just re- send it over to Mediafire, send it up to YouTube, By the time I wake up Saturday morning and I get up a little bit early, I start doing a few things right before I'm waiting for Dave to jump on here. And then I finish those up after the show. So that's kind of the way I do my workflow.
1: I don't re-listen to the whole show and take out all the ums and uhs. I don't do that. And you know, I don't uh, do a lot of editing of the the quality of the video either. Actually, if you're in Adobe Premiere and you start adding sharpening and all kind of effects, it's going to greatly increase your rendering time. So I don't do a lot of that. So you know, with Randy asking what is what I do, the right thing to do, I don't I don't know about that, but because I don't do a lot of heavy editing, but that gets gets it out there. Uh, and then I do, like you said, I try and do my show notes. The thing that for me that takes me most most time is I get distracted by the monitors and I should be writing my show notes and I, hey, you know, squirrel. Something <laughs> on Twitter or, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. Had a new post. yeah. I got an email
0: <laughs> from work or that's the, for me that, you know, somebody, I, I manage this global community, you know, uh, worldwide and somebody will hit me up no matter what time of the day or night. I get a email and I get distracted and I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, Mike, I've kept, and I think you do too. I have a pretty detailed list Kind of checklist, a pre-flight or post-flight mm-hmm. or mid-flight checklist, and every week I bring it up just to make sure I don't miss a step. Do you, are you doing something like that? Yeah, I
1: use Google Docs spreadsheet, and I've got uh, the the task going down in rows, and then the show going over in columns. And I've got you know pre-show, I got post-show, and I have got that broken into segments. You know, the editing, the posting, all that kind of stuff. I've had to create a list like that for even our photo contests you know, publicize it here, create this album there, you know, uh, these lists. Because uh, there's so much going on that I, you know, will miss something. I'll forget to post it over here or do something like that. A lot of the places get it through the RSS feed, so as soon as I, you know, do the post in in WordPress, it'll be out there. But there's other places that I have to upload to. Yeah, you know, I need to yeah. remember to do that.
0: Yeah, it's. I, I think having a checklist is key. Well, Mike, uh, an hour just yeah. here and gone. Thanks for... Uh, Taking, thanks for jumping in. It's always great to catch up with you. About well, once a year, I get you on Ask the Podcast Coach when uh, when Dave is out. And almost this almost didn't happen this morning. One of those kinds of things where I thought, well, I hope I can make this work. As I came in the building today, I set my stuff in a room that was open. When I left the room, the door shut, and the door was locked. Oh, no. Like, yeah, my wallet, my coffee, my phone, my backpack, all in the room. And just by luck, I ran into somebody who had a, you know, had a key card and got me in. And I was, I was, at some point I was going to have to email you and say, Mike, we're not going to be able to do this because I, I can't get to any of my equipment. In the end, it all worked out. You know, okay. the amazing thing about podcasting is we got this done outside of the studio you and i made this i mean that's the i think that's the cool thing about it is you get this great opportunity to uh, do these things regardless of where you're at but thanks for taking the morning and, uh, no and beginning with me. uh I'll remind everyone uh, if you are a patreon supporter of what dave does i, I appreciate that I-, I know that sounds weird dave and i decided a long time ago it's his show Like I I just get to come along for the ride, by the way, Mike, that's so I can quit anytime I want. That's, that's why I did that. No pressure. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. (laughs) And you know, yet I don't, so I'm, I'm hanging around. Um, but, uh, if you are one, if you're a Patreon supporter of Dave, I will say, I appreciate the, the, that what you do, he does such great work. And I just really appreciate his honesty and his openness and doesn't try to hide anything. And he doesn't try to be bigger than he is. And he's just a nice guy. Uh, And so if you haven't started supporting Dave on Patreon, I will make a pitch for it. Head out to AskThePodcastCoach.com and there's a Patreon link that's right there. We'd love to have you join. Whatever plans are available, just pick one. If you enjoy the show, we'd ask that you support it, and, uh, and and we appreciate the support that you do. We are live here every Saturday morning, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, out at AskThePodcastCoach.com slash live. want to thank those of you who are at in our chat room. We'll stay around for just a few minutes of post-show. i got to get back to the kids. They probably wrecked the rooms by now. Uh, no, they're, they're good kids. They wouldn't do that. But uh, we'll stay around for a little post-show, and with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye.